This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Radio. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Radio does not take responsibility for those statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to the Business of Government Hour, a conversation about management with a government executive who is changing the way government does business. The Business of Government Hour is produced by the IBM Center for the Business of Government, which was created in 1998 to encourage discussion and research into new approaches to improving government effectiveness. You can find out more about the center by visiting us on the web at businessofgovernment.org. And now, the Business of Government Hour. Welcome to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host and leadership fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government. Technology is critical to how every agency accomplishes its mission and serves the public. It is at the core of running mission support operations, safeguarding critical information, and analyzing program data for agency decision-making. The U.S. General Services Administration's Technology Transformation Services, TTS, applies modern methodologies and technologies to improve the lives of the public and public servants. It seeks to assist U.S. federal agencies to make their services more accessible, efficient, and effective with modern applications, platforms, processes, personnel, and software solutions. How does TTS meet its mission? What are its strategic priorities? And how does TTS work to enhance public experience with federal government agencies? We'll explore these questions and so much more with our very special guest, Anil Cherian, Director of GSA's Technology Transformation Services and Deputy Commissioner of GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. Also joining our conversation from IBM is Kunal Saravanshi. Anil, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Great. Thank you. Thanks. For, I'm happy to be here. Kunal, always good to have you. Pleased to be here. So, would you briefly, Anil, discuss for us the mission and continued evolution of the U.S. General Services Administration's Technology Transformation Services? And more importantly, how does TTS support the overall mission of the agency? Sure. Uh, so TTS, at the heart of it, Technology Transformation Services, the mission is really about making the lives of our public and public servants better by leveraging technology. So that's the fundamental reason for being for TTS. And we're, you know, if you look at the GSA core uh, objectives and strategic objectives, you know, GSA is focused on the way federal agencies buy, build, and use technology. So we're an integral part of GSA in that, in that regard. Now, TTS itself is really a conglomeration of multiple business units. Uh, there is a group called ATNF that was formed back in 2014. There's a group that's called the TTS Solutions Group that was that's been there. It's been called multiple different names in the past, OPP, Offset, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, the Presidential Innovation Fellows, and then the COE Group. So it's a really a group of group of business units that have been formed at different times, and our whole journey right now is how do you bring them together and drive that mission, drive towards the mission. That's great. So, you know, organizationally, in your portfolio, that's great to get a sense of what they are. How's the funding structure 
created, and and what's your over, you give us a hint of your budget and and your scale of operations. Are you based in D.C. or do you have uh, field offices as well? Sure. Uh, so so think of there as being two pillars sure. within TTS. One pillar is what we call clients and markets. And underneath that, you have the 18F group, the Presidential Fellows Group, Innovation Fellows Group, and then the COE group. The other pillar is called TTS Solutions. And that's really where we build platforms and solutions. Uh, things like um, cloud.gov, login.gov, search.gov. These are all enablers, accelerators to drive transformation. So the first group, the, the Clients and Markets group, is fundamentally paid for on a cost-recoverable basis. So it's all driven through a fund called the ASF, or the Acquisition Services Fund. So if an agency wants to use us, a bit like you do in consulting, we write a statement of work, and we get paid for it. And so it's very much on a cost-recoverable basis. Unlike consulting, we're not trying to make money. We're just you know, making sure that our costs are covered. The... Uh, Platforms Group or the Solutions Group is more funded by another fund called FCSF Fund. Mm-hmm. It's really a congressional fund, and it's appropriated, and it's uh, uh, the budget is set by Congress every year, and we use that to really fund a lot of our core solutions. So that's really the two funding mechanisms. So, Anil, uh, how would you describe your duties and responsibilities as director of the Technology Transformation Service and as a deputy commissioner of the Federal Acquisition Service? Sure. So, so you know, think of my role as being the leader of this group that works closely with OMB, the White House, the GSA leadership, as well as all of the agencies and through the CIO Council, et cetera. And we... Try, we figure out how can we really drive the technology improvements that are needed. Uh, so I work really closely with uh, Suzette Kent, who's the, uh, our federal CIO, Margaret Weikert from OMB, as well as uh, Chris Liddell from the Office mm-hmm. of American Innovation. So our goal here is really to drive um, all the different aspects of what uh, the agencies need in terms of their uh, delivery of technology solutions. Housed in the Federal Acquisition Services, and I believe there's a lot of real benefits of being there. One, a huge amount of work that's being done uh, in federal government is driven through acquisitions. And how we really make the transformation work is by driving a lot of our changes through the FAS group. So I'm an integral part of the FAS leadership. We have lots of sharing of information, whether it's uh, what an agency is looking for, uh, and how do we change the acquisition processes to meet those needs, et cetera. So there's a lot of good synergies in that fashion. Given your roles and responsibilities in the portfolio, the breadth and depth of your portfolio, what would you say your three top management challenges have been? How have you sought to address those challenges? So as I mentioned before, there are really three, you know, there are four uh, groups that are part of TTS. And those groups were really historically doing uh, uh, transformation work or uh, technology work in different ways, and the way I, you know, one of the biggest challenges is really bringing that together. My my belief is that if you connect all those dots, th- then you appear to be, or then you can do a lot more. Then you can, you know, be much more effective with the agencies. You know, for example, if you're doing a major transformation with an agency and you're doing some 
user-centered design work with the agency, really connecting all of those in an integrated fashion uh, so that you can be more knowledgeable, you can be more helpful, you can really meet what the agencies need. So there's a real connecting the dots of those groups. And we, you know, I can get into it a little bit later, but we've really formed and restructured to make that integration work. Uh, the second piece is about talent. We are all, as you can imagine, you know, uh, looking for the right skills, right talent, as transformation from a technology standpoint is rapidly changing. You have several new technologies out there, AI being one that's significantly changing as we as we speak. Cloud used to be that, but now I think the, the cloud skills are still things that we're looking for. So finding the right talent to really figure out how to make that work. We are, uh, I think if you look at our approaches in terms of finding the talent, you know, we used uh, term employees. We, we find um, significant resources from the uh, large industry uh, providers of the of that talent they want to come and work for us they want to spend two years with us really do something special for federal government do something with a sense of purpose we attract those types of individuals which is which has really been which has really been helpful but getting that constant flow of talent is, is something that uh, we are uh, driving towards. And then the last piece is something that, uh, that I kind of hop on a lot is it's all about outcomes. You know, when, when we talk about change, uh, I'd, uh, yeah, I'd like the dialogue to be more about what have you done for the citizen, right? What have you done at the end game? So if we say, hey, you know, we moved all these applications to the cloud, it's interesting, but the real question is, how does the citizen feel anything different? So really talking about outcomes is a, is a challenge that, uh, in, in the sense that it's a, it's a mind shift that we're trying to make from a culture standpoint, within, within, not only within TTS, but also with all the agencies that we work with. So what has surprised you most since you took on this current role? Well, you know, I, I hadn't spent much time in uh, federal government, so I spent uh, all of my career uh, in the private sector, in consulting, and in a bank, and uh, so this was all new to me. So uh, when you're sitting outside of Washington, D.C., you have a perception of uh, how things work in federal government, and uh, so a lot of those were uh, confirmed you know, when, I, when I started. Uh, and but there were a lot of very interesting uh, things that I discovered as as as, as I started. Uh, one, for example, is the team, the TTS team, is really a very highly energetic, very passionate, and purpose-driven team. And that is something that even in my prior uh, career. Getting that type of passion and energy and purpose was something that we would be always working towards. And uh, to find that already existing in this you know, core team of about 300 individuals has really, really uh, been a good surprise. It's really been, really been positive. But, but all the other issues of how long does it take to get things done in government, frankly, I was aware of that. I was aware of the bureaucracy. But I, I believe there's been a lot of... Uh, intent on the part of several people 
to really make that better. You know, in GSA itself, there's lots of activities in terms of streamlining the acquisitions process. Uh, working with Suzette and team, there's lots of changes from a policy perspective that she's been putting in place and also from the White House. So you get a lot of good air cover and a lot of good, well-intentioned uh, activities that um, that are, I believe, breaking through uh, some of those traditional concerns that people have about what's going on in D.C. and federal government and so on. And you mentioned that you were in the private sector most of your career. Could you give us a little bit of a career overview? Sure. Uh, I spent uh, 30 years in consulting, uh, so you can start adding all these up and figure out how old I am, but many years uh, with a company called Coopers and Librand, which merged with uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers, and the PwC Consulting arm was bought by IBM back in 2002. So I joined a consulting outfit back in 86, and I never changed jobs, but the moniker around us changed. So we went from Coopers and Librand to PwC to IBM, and uh, did a lot of work in financial services in IBM, ran the IBM uh, insurance practice uh, for North America, and uh, I got a phone call from one of my clients, a SunTrust bank, uh, and they said, hey, we, we are looking for a CIO. So after sending the CEO several resumes, he said, no, no, I mean you. Uh, why don't you come and join? Uh, I joined as a CIO of SunTrust, and I was there for about seven years. Um, great run. I retired in, in 2018, early 2018, and uh, was basically wandering around aimlessly and doing some uh, interesting consulting work as well as traveling the world. And I got a phone call from the White House to take this role. So I, I started uh, in January of 2019. When you think about the, the career you had in the private sector and coming into the, the federal government, what are the characteristics of an effective leader? And perhaps you could tell us some of your leadership principles that, that really inform how you manage and lead. Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, one of the... Um, uh, uh, aspects of leadership that I pride myself on is really to be open, transfer, transparent, and uh, build a culture of learning as opposed to one of just being very dictatorial. So it's a really, and I, I, and I believe that works well in government and that works well in the environment that we're in. And uh, that is really a – I've taken a lot of pains to do that and, and learned the hard way that that is the right way. And it is really to kind of encourage debate, encourage conversation, and bring people along. But having said that, there are two other aspects of it. You know, you, uh, one is uh, a leader really needs to be one that sets direction and then communicates, communicates, communicates. You know, it's not uh, – this is not a um, – uh, you can't kind of say go forth and then disappear. You know, you've got to start saying go forth and where and how and how do you get there and and really have that direction setting and communications conversation. But on the other side of it, in addition to being open and transparent, empowering leaders or empowering folks to really make decisions and to uh, to drive that expectation is something else that, that really uh, it has, has worked and, and really, frankly, is much needed. So uh, a lot of times I find that, uh, and this is not just in government, in any, in any uh, situation, uh, people tend to 
push upwards and, and, and delegate upwards. And I think really empowering folks is really the, the core here that, um, that is much needed and, and welcome. You know, once, once you have the trust and once you have the, uh, once you have the, uh, the openness and transparency. What are the key strategic priorities for GSA's Technology Transformation Services, TTS? We'll ask its director, Anil Cherian, when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. To support government financial performance and accountability, financial systems must meet certain standards, and relying on outdated financial systems inhibits progress. ERP vendors are encouraging clients to move to the cloud and consider new technologies such as robotic process automation, blockchain, and AI to enhance financial productivity. Download the IBM Center Report Financial Management for the Future at businessofgovernment.org to learn why and how government can evolve to meet the demands of a digital world. The Ebola crisis in West Africa from 2014 to 2016 was an epidemic that put emphasis on global capacity to respond to international disasters. How can government better assess the needs of those affected and help them? The IBM Center Report Responding to Global Health Crisis by Professor Jennifer Whitner breaks down the U.S. response to the Ebola crisis and provides insights on lessons learned that may aid the government responses in the future. Download your free copy, Responding to Global Health Crisis, at businessofgovernment.org. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Anil Cherian, Director of the U.S. General Services Administration's Technology Transformation Services, TTS. Also joining our conversation from IBM is Kunal Saravanshi. You mentioned, Earl, in our previous segment that uh, your, your area, TTS, Technology Transformation Services, applies modern modern methodologies and technologies to change the way government agencies do their business and meet their missions. So I'd like to get a sense of your strategic vision for TTS and your key priorities. Sure. so, so just take our mission, which is when you when you think about it, very large. We're talking about transforming the way in which uh, leveraging technology to make people's lives better and public servants better. I mean, you're just at the heart of that. That's a that's a big, big charter. We work with several agencies, you know, over 20, 30. I, mean, I can get you the exact number, but there's several number of agencies and. Uh, and our goal and our strategic goal here is is really threefold. You know, one is it's all about building momentum. And, you know, we should be talking about this transformation, uh, but it should get to a point where you're you're turning the flywheel and it's moving and it continues to move at a pace that's uh, that's uh, sustainable. The second piece is all about sustainability. And uh you know, transformation shouldn't be a once-and-done thing. It's all about building the right capabilities that can be reused and reapplied and so on. So uh, we can get into some of the, you know, what does that really mean? We're really focusing on six areas to drive transformation, and those are the competencies that we want to build, and we want to make those sustainable so it's not, it can be reused. And then the third piece is all about delivering with what I call delivering with excellence but focused on outcomes. So really not only dealing with, hey, I did this migration of 35 data centers down to two, but what are the real outcomes? Have you reduced cycle time? Have you 
improved the citizen's experience? Have you made life better for the public servant? You know, those are the kinds of things that uh, we are not, I can't, I can't say that we're there yet, but that's something that we're striving towards is really in, in terms of measuring impact. So those are really the three strategic priorities. But underpinning that is 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 making sure that the teams are driving towards that and having the right leadership and so on to make that happen. So as you were shaping your, your vision for TTS, what were some of the key internal and external drivers and trends, if you will, especially technology trends, that shaped and informed the way you were going to market, if you will? You know, so... so um, coming into the job back in uh, January of 2019, I must have spent a good three months on just a listen and learn tour. Uh, it was just about what do we do? What, what does our team do? What's the impression of our team from key stakeholders, whether it's the White House, OMB, Office of CIO, the agencies that we work with? And also, what are some of the real issues that agencies are facing. And uh, so, so having done that for about 90 days, you know, there's, that kind of led to the strategy that really said, hey, we've got a, we've got a pretty good name, we've got a pretty good brand, uh, but let's go figure out how we can play above our weight and you know, let's build the momentum, drive the sustainability. The six areas that we picked on we're really six that, frankly, if you go into the private industry and you say, I want to do a digital transformation, you'll, you'll kind of say, here are the six. It's, it's what, we, what I did in my past in, uh, in the financial services industry, in the bank that I worked in. So it's not anything new. I think it's very similar, and I think there's been no real uh, questions or arguments from the agencies that we, we worked, worked with. In fact, one of the core lighthouse agencies, USDA, was one where we started building this whole concept oh, of building centers, mm -hmm. centers of excellence and deriving transformation using those centers of excellence. Very familiar to you if you're in the financials, in the consulting business, you go to market by industry and you go to market with your solution area. So this is very much of a very similar kind of concept where we go to market by the industries that we're in and we leverage our our co-solution areas. So, Anil, what prompted your reorganizing of the technology transformation service? And how do you think this restructuring makes the organization more client-focused as well as internally collaborative? Sure. This, this, and, and you've kind of hit on the two real reasons why we did this. Think of the two pillars. And, and, and when we reorganize, we form these two pillars. One is getting all of our client-facing groups or agency-facing groups, 18F, the COEs and the Presidential Innovation Fellows, and putting them under one umbrella. I didn't want to blow them up, as it were. I, I, fe I feel the, the brand and the quality of the work that was being done by each of those groups was well-recognized by uh, several of our, of our agency clients. But the need was to put them together and really, I, and I put in a leader who, uh, frankly, someone Harry Lee, who's someone who worked with me in Coopers and Librand way back. I've known him for many years. He's run several consulting for, uh, practices. He really is leading that effort to bring those together. And the reason for that is to show one face to our agency clients. So if you're doing a, you know, for example, we're doing this massive transformation at USDA. However, we've got several 18F projects doing 
uh, work within the forestry services within USDA. Those two teams, when they started realizing, hey, this is what we do, the combination of that became much more powerful because we were speaking the same language to the agencies and the agencies felt that. So that's one is really to build that pillar of go-to-market common client practices. And then there's a, the solutions group is really a conglomeration of uh, all of those different platforms, cloud, login. And so think of them as being accelerators or enablers, as well as their uh, groups there that have a voice of the, cl- of the end customer, uh, USA.gov. Uh, you know, we have a contact center that's open to get calls from anyone in, in the public. And uh, so we have a conglomeration there of solutions, platforms, and a voice of the client uh, that really enables us to deliver on the first two. So if you come up with, you know, so for example, we're building AI capabilities. The solution centers, the solutions group is building the AI competency, working with industry, working with everyone that's out there. You know, we're never going to be the AI provider. We're going to be working with all the other providers to make that happen. But the, uh, but the go-to-market teams then deliver that to the client. So that's kind of the fundamental two pillars. The good thing about bringing all those solutions together is then when we make investments, we can be saying, hey, why are we investing here? We can change that investment around, put more money on this because kind of be more, be more proactive to what's really needed from, from an industry perspective. You know, you've, you've talked about these six core competencies. So how do you see those, uh, you know, how, how, how are you going to build upon those six core competencies and how do they compare with what's happening at the centers of excellence? So, so the six competencies are, uh, let me kind of run, run you through them. One is what we call omni-channel experience. And think of that as having, you know, the omni-channel view. So if you're an agency uh, public servant, you know, you're, you are, or uh, if you're a citizen, you can come into an agency in all those different channels. So whether it's contact centers, web, mobile, uh, et cetera. So an omni-channel experience is something that really goes to the heart of citizen experience. And so we're building those, uh, those capabilities there. Second one is on AI. We just recently launched the AI Center of Excellence. Work, actually, we're launching it working closely with the DOD and Jake, where we're helping Jake build the, uh, the, the joint common framework for their, for their uh, AI centers. So AI, naturally, much needed. Everyone, uh, you know, that's really the, the direction of the future. The third area is infrastructure optimization and cloud. So it's really about improving data centers, uh, improving the effectiveness of data centers, but it's also about migrating to the cloud. So it's all about the agility and speed that you get when you start the migration to the cloud. Fourth is an area of data and analytics. We've done a fair amount of work on just basic scorecarding, understanding benchmarks, understanding, helping agencies kind of work through their mission areas and say, here is the kind of scorecards that you need, and here's the data and analytics that you need to support that. Fifth is an area which is all about identity. I believe that you can't drive digital transformation unless you solve the identity issue. And identity is core to driving trust and is core to driving further migration and adoption, frankly, of citizens of the digital platforms that are being built. So that's the fifth area. 
And sixth is something we call accelerators, and that's all about agile, DevOps, speed to market, even acquisitions, consulting that's bundled in there. It's all about speed and, and driving. So those are the six areas. In USDA, we formed five COEs, and we had contact center and client experience as one COE uh, as two different centers. They fall under that first bucket of omnichannel. We have a data and analytics center. We have a infrastructure center, which is infrastructure optimization. It really falls under infrastructure and cloud. We have a cloud center. So there's a little bit of overlap. Uh, as we start growing and changing, we will start bundling all of our services under these six areas. You know, for example, login.gov, which mm-hmm. is a platform, falls under identity management. So can you tell us a little bit more about the work that has been done in 18F, which is part of TTF? Sure. 18F is, uh, was formed back in uh, 2014, uh, and the thought there at the time, GSA formed that group to really be about uh, delivering on systems in a better fashion. And... Uh, it has evolved over time to be much more focused on the user-centered design approach to building systems. So 18F has um, gone through a few iterations over time, and uh, now there's a, a little over 100 consultants there. They do a quick eight-week path analysis piece of work with with, uh, with an agency to kind of define what the, the uh, issues are, do some research on what the issues are, do some user-centered research as well, and then come back with a plan of experimenting and innovating, so kind of doing the agile delivery of, of solutions. And there are many offshoots of that, but it's fundamentally, that's what 18F does. And at the end of the game, you know, they don't, uh, 18F doesn't stick around uh, forever, they work with the agency to transfer of knowledge, and they work shoulder to shoulder with agency leaders to make that happen, as well as with any uh, industry partners that the agency has, so that on occasion, the industry partner then takes over from from the 18F team. So there's a close work that's going on. You know, let me give you an example. One is called uh, findtreatment.gov, uh, where of working on the SAMHSA, which is the substance abuse uh, uh, part of uh, uh, Health and Human Services, and is really creating a one place for individuals with uh, concerns on, especially now with the opioid crisis, you know, where do I go? Where can I find counseling? And the way in which the old SAMHSA site was, it was very difficult to find uh, locations for treatment. And so the 18F team worked closely with the SAMHSA team as well as with some of their industry partners and really made it a much more user-centered design application that's, uh, frankly, you know, done really well. It's launched, and, uh, and you can build on top of that at this point. How does TTS foster innovation within and among federal agencies? We'll ask its director, Anil Cherian, when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. How does an agency decide upon and implement a performance management framework that will be successful for their specific administration? The IBM Center Report, a practitioner's framework for measuring results, follows the implementation and results of the CSTAT management framework in Colorado's Department of Homeland Security, 
in hopes that it can guide others who may want to institute a similar approach. Download a practitioner's framework for measuring results by Melissa Wavelet on businessofgovernment.org today. Agile methodology has allowed for agencies to keep up with the growing demands for fast response to problem solving. The Opportunity Project, TOP, serves as a catalyst in adapting agile techniques to solve complex agency mission problems. TOP works with federal agencies to identify challenges and facilitate iterative approaches in response. In the IBM Center report, Agile Problem Solving in Government, Joel Gurin and Katerina Ribello discuss the factors of success involved in TOP. Download your free copy today at businessofgovernment.org. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Anil Cherian, Director of the U.S. General Services Administration's Technology Transformation Services, TTS. Also joining our conversation from IBM is Kunal Saravanchi. So Technology Transformation Services, um, in the name of your portfolio's transformation, and, and, and part of that is innovation. And where I'd like to go is how... Are you at TTS fostering innovation within federal agencies? And how does 10X or other programs like 10X factor into your whole approach? Sure. So um, at, at the heart of what we do, it's all about innovation. That's a reason for our existence. It's the way in which we want to operate. And I'd say innovation is not part of any subgroup of um, uh, TTS. It's what everyone does. Whether you're an AT&F team or a COE team or a presidential innovation fellow, uh, one of the solutions members, innovation is really all about what we do. And we bring, especially since we're bringing a lot of the talent uh, from industry on a uh, term basis, I'd say well over... um, uh, 70% of our teams are term. Uh, it, we have the ability to kind of bring that innovation, and that's really the focus that we have. So whether it's in terms of agile development and uh, uh, bringing in you know, the skills transfer of that or figuring out ways in which you can do agile uh, BPAs, agile um, uh, implementations, and so on. But we do have a group called 10X, as you, as you mentioned. And 10X is really an interesting group. It's a group that falls under the, the solutions pillar. Mm-hmm. And every few months, we go out to all the agencies and say, bring us your hottest issues, the questions that you have that you would like solved. And ten, the 10X team then goes through three phases of evaluating that problem. The first phase is, hey, is this something that we can solve? Is this something that we feel that we can tackle? And they put people, they put teams on it, and they start working through and try to solve. So think of it as being a funnel. So get the last uh, request that we made, we had about 300 questions that yeah. were coming from all parts of government. And so we winnow those down to a few that we start doing a quick evaluation. Something we want to do, something we don't want to do, and so on. And then for those that we pick through the funnel, we say, hey, these are things that we want to work on. We then spend a short period of time prototyping, trying to solve the problem. And it's really the 10X team that does that. Agency leaders who pose the question come in as subject matter experts and say, yeah, that's exactly what we're looking for or not, or they can, they can have the dialogue. But the 10X team 
uh, works, as well as, you know, they bring industry uh, folks to kind of make that happen. And then the last piece is once everyone uh, feels that it can be reused, then it becomes something that we can take. And, in fact, just a few days ago, the 10X team presented to the TMF fund uh, board to say, hey, this is our approach, this is what we do. Can you can we figure out ways in which we can connect? Because what we want to do is, typically when we take these problems, it's really cross-government, cross-agency yeah, types yeah. of issues. So let's figure out a way in which we can propagate the solution. You're going to build it with one one uh, agency, but then we do figure out how we can span it across. So, so great conversations, uh, lots of great ideas that come out of 10X, real good innovative approaches. By no means is TTS the only group that drives this type of innovation. I'm sure there are lots of agencies that do it, but this is something that um, I believe uh, lots of great ideas. We are now down to about two or three. 10X has been going through this for the last few years. We have some really good examples uh, of uh, uh, that, I, that I can I can't get into right now sure. because they're in yep. the, the last stages of it, but some really good examples of things that can be productized and then can be used across multiple agencies. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that you know outcomes are really important. It's not just about the technology. For instance, you said, okay, everybody moved to the cloud, but right. how does that help the citizen? Which I really thought was powerful. And where I'm going with this is. How are your efforts or these efforts, whether it's innovation or whatever TTS is doing, enhancing the public experience with federal government agencies? So there's a – I'd be remiss. I'd be – I'd probably you know, be um, inaccurate by saying we have it all figured out. Yep. You know, we're in that stage where we're transforming ourselves to be more thoughtful about what the real impact is. Uh, to the citizens. But there, there's several examples where we do have direct connect with the, with the citizens. You know, let, me, let me give you one. One is the, called the you, – you're familiar with the IDEA Act. Yep. And at the heart of the IDEA Act, it's all about improving citizen experience. And uh, our group, we have a group within our solutions group. It's called the U.S. Web Design System. And we have been working with all the agencies to really say, here are the standards that you need to have uh, when you build a web system, web design system. And that, frankly, has uh, improved a lot after the IDEA Act as well to really uh, increase uh, accessibility, uh, you know, to, to be more um, uh, clear in, in the standard. And so, in fact, we just launched a new version, U.S. Web Design System 2, uh, that all of the agencies, as they start conforming to the IDEA Act, they will be using this, this approach. So it's clearly it's got an end citizen impact. It is something that we believe is uh, much needed. You know, there's no reason why agencies need to think about client experience and UI in different ways they should use the standard, and we work closely with OMB to make that happen. So that's that's one example. The other example is USAGov. It's a contact center plus a website. I think I mentioned it to you earlier on. Uh, it was uh, born about five decades ago, frankly, and it's uh, you know it's uh, not you know, it's kind of evolved. There was no any website five decades ago, but it's really been built up over time, where any citizen or any member of the public can call and ask questions, and uh, 
We've got se- a significant number of uh, uh, citizens in public calling. And frankly, that becomes, this is the voice of the citizen that we can then funnel back in into, uh, if this, if, for example, we have several calls on your tax return during April, that gets funneled into IRS and we kind of let them know, hey, this is what we're hearing, this is what's going on. So, it, so uh, those are two examples. We are getting better and better at this in terms of how we measure real citizens' impact. But uh, I believe client experience, citizen experience is something that uh, we should all be, you know, have front and center in terms of um, anything that we, be, that, that we will be doing here. So TTS um, aims to empower the public with uh, better access to government information and resources. How does your organization provide agencies with analytics and data management capabilities so that they can make better decisions and improve their service to the public? So the example that I just gave on uh, USAGov uh, is a great source of what the citizen is really thinking of. And layering on top of that, we have something called the Digital Analytics Program, which is really an easy, advanced way of looking at analytics on the web. So if we're getting a lot of hits on these areas, the analytics program really takes a look at those and provides that decision uh, back to the agencies as well. Uh, we, we have also you know, several other uh, uh, Platforms. These are all in the solutions group. Data.gov is one, which is really a repository of all of the information uh, that all the agencies have. And there's several reasons why it was formed. Open data, the open data um, uh, policy was one, and uh, you know we. It is now with the federal data strategy now going to become the core platform for agencies to use. Uh, to to figure out where their data is, and it's kind of think of it as being the metadata about data, and uh, it's a great group that's that runs that. I want to ask you a little bit about this program called the Federal Risk and Authorization Management Program, also known as FedRAMP. Uh, can you outline your vision for continuous improvement of this program? It's a very important program. Sure. So this uh, I had the uh, pleasure of testifying in front of Congress about this program. So uh, it's, it's been, uh, as you can imagine, um, the FedRAMP uh, is really a risk management program that provides a common way for agencies to understand whether a cloud service provider meets certain risk criteria. So you have, uh, you can be FedRAMP moderate, FedRAMP uh FedRAMP, FedRAMP low, FedRAMP moderate, FedRAMP high, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a different levels of, of quality of FedRAMP. When it was, uh, OMB actually sent out uh, a circular that said, you know, all agencies need to have their cloud services providers, you know, FedRAMP ATO'd. Uh, so when it was first formed, the pace at which those FedRAMP authorizations were taking place was very slow to be blunt, and a very manual, and it's very paper-intensive, and cloud service providers had to go through a very manual process to get their uh, software FedRAMP authorized. The team has done a phenomenal job over the last few years and continues to do so of really streamlining the process. You know, let me give you an example. So if you're a SaaS provider 
that already sits on an infrastructure as a service that is being FedRAMP ATO'd, you inherit all those FedRAMP authorizations for the uh, infrastructure that's already being authorized. So the speed at which uh, SaaS providers now get FedRAMP authorized is way, way quicker. So there's a lot of improvements being made, and, and you know we're not sitting right there. We, we want to try and improve it even further. We've got uh, about 170 cloud service providers authorized. We've got 50 in the pipeline right now. The reusability, which is a core piece of this, so that you know, if one agency gets it authorized, all the other agencies need to be able to reuse that authorization. Reuse is, uh, you know, uh, those 170 have been used about 1,400 times across the federal government. So it's really beginning to pick up speed, as it were. But we're not resting on our laurels. We've got activities now to automate uh, the controls. So uh, cloud service providers are not manually providing us the security pieces. We are actually getting that information in automated form uh, using something called OSCAL, which is a language for... uh, uh, security controls. So uh, those automations will certainly help. Uh, we're doing more uh, agency training. We're doing uh, some, you know, I actually took the team. Uh, we went to California and met with a uh, bunch of startups and said about 80 startups uh, were there to say, hey, you know, this is not the evil government. We're here to help you. And here's some, and we had some four or five uh, software startups on the panel that said, hey, you know, this is how we went through FedRAM. So there's a lot of education and, and getting the word out that's been going on. As well as we, you know, we, now we worked with ActIAC and we have a, a FedRAMP, uh, you know, cloud service ATO working group that's actually looking at this whole process and, and giving suggestions, which is, so we're open for changes, we're making the changes, and we're seeing the rate and pace of these authorizations greatly improve. Talking of uh, risk, uh, identity management is a core need for federal agencies. Why is identity management so difficult across government? And do you have some ideas on how it can be addressed? Yeah, so this is uh, this is a significant effort that uh, we need to really address. Uh, we feel that we are best suited to make that happen. In fact, we received as part of our uh, author, uh, appropriations, a fund to drive identity management uh, from Congress. So we've got a team that's focused on that, and we're working very closely with a number of agencies. Now, you know, the, why is it so difficult? It's um, think of there as being two or three layers to it. One is just simple authentication. Uh, every agency over time has built their own authentication methods. And so you have a different number or way in which you can join an SSA site or an IRS site. Uh, We've got something called login.gov, which can be the core authentication layer. However, to make that change for all those agencies, it's not the easiest thing to suddenly say we're going to change our identity authentication tool. and. So, so that's one. The second layer is all about proofing to say, if you say that this is your name and number and password, what is the proof? What are the proofing mechanisms? And different groups have different proofing mechanisms. So we're, we have a team now that's um, 
working on this issue and working very closely with several players uh, across federal government. And we're, um, you know, frankly looking for a plan and a strategy that clearly defines how we should go about it, how we should do the migration, et cetera, et cetera. And, and frankly, how do we leverage industry to make it happen? Uh, there are lots of identity and proofing tools out there, and uh, we should be leveraging those. We should be working with those. So I was wondering, is there any other you know, openly available tools that federal, federal agencies can access from TTS? Sure. There's, there's been a number. I mentioned two of them. You know, one is login and the other one is cloud. Uh, login.gov was really uh, – and both of these are on a fee basis, login and cloud. And uh, cloud, cloud.gov, just think of it as a PaaS uh, solution that can get a small agency up and running on the cloud really fast. So it's um, built by uh, using industry standard tools, and it's something that can, can kind of launch uh, an agency into the cloud. Login, as, as, as we talked about, is really the authentication tool. Uh, and I think you know, there's, there's over 20 million uh, citizens using login right now. Uh, it's growing and, and will continue to grow. Search.gov has also been, was an earlier it uses some industry standard APIs to do search, and it kind of sits on top of federal government uh, several uh, websites. But there are other uh, free uh, tools. Uh, everyone likes free, uh, but you know, there's uh, Digital Gov. It you know, provides a lot of tools and services to help uh, federal agencies, you know, to move, uh, you know, to train folks in in terms of how to do stuff on the web and. And uh, there's a whole community of practice in terms of uh, moving to the digital area. So that's a, that's a free service that's out there, and, and our team provides a lot of help to agencies uh, for that. What does the future hold for GSA's technology transformation services? We'll ask its director, Anil Cherian, when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. How can government best use big data to transform decision-making, public services delivery, and communication? The IBM Center Report, Integrating Big Data and Thick Data to Transform Public Services Delivery, by Yan-Yan Ang, presents five recommendations for public managers introducing the concept of mixed analytics, urging thick data, meaning qualitative information about users, to be presented alongside big data to improve government decision-making. Visit businessofgovernment.org to read more. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Anil Cherian, Director of the U.S. General Services Administration's Technology Transformation Services, TTS. Also joining our conversation from IBM is Kunal Saravanchi. So, I was wondering, I talk a lot about uh, collaboration and partnership with uh, many of my guests and how they're using both to improve their performance and meet mission uh, goals. How are you doing that at TTS? So, so uh, think of TTS as being a, as I mentioned earlier, we're about 300. It's not a very large group. Uh, when you compare ourselves to lots of very large teams in the federal uh, government. So think of us as being what I call the tip of the spear. And we're enabling and driving a lot of the changes uh, working in close uh, partnership with our agency partners as well as with industry. 
I believe that the only way in which we can really be effective is really to leverage all of those relationships, the agency relationships as well as industry relationships. So if you take the COE group, well, the COE group is very small, but they've been very effective in bringing several partners uh, together. I forget the number you know, that have won the uh, Discovery BPA. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. well over 17 or so eight, uh, industry partners that are in there. So we, you know, they, they have the machine down where we are leveraging industry to drive the innovation, but we kind of help with the agency really def decide what needs to be bought, how do you need to do that, and kind of co-manage that with the agency. So that's a, that's a core uh, program. Our TTS solutions, I mentioned all of those, login, cloud, search, significant amount of industry participation. We, we don't have huge teams of people to make that happen, so we work closely with software vendors, services vendors to kind of make that, make that relationship happen. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, whether it's uh, just, you know, having the dialogue and having the uh, you know, the joint sessions where we can share information with the industry, ACT-IAC, one-on-one sessions, market research sessions, or uh, working in parallel as part of a joint team. Those are the ways in which we leverage the, the relationship. It's a real, you know, I just want to make it very clear there's a lot of uh, there has been in the past a lot of concern on this TTS trying to build a consulting outfit. We just don't have the resources and the capacity, frankly, to build a large consulting, certainly not in the size of an IBM or, or whatever, but we really want to be that tip of the spear. We want to be the players that bring the right partners together. You know, looking into your crystal ball and transitioning to the future, would you give us a sense of some of the key issues that will impact technology and innovation government-wide over the next couple of years? You know, we, we, I mentioned that we focus on the six competency areas, and uh, those are the six that I believe are very relevant today. However, there is significant changes. The good thing about technology is that the pace, the rate and pace of change in technology is only accelerating. And, um, you know, there's talk about the future is nearer than you think and so on. But there's a lot of change that's going on, whether it's, you know, the Internet of Things or blockchain or quantum computing or AR, VR. Uh, you know, it's just a significant change. And what I'm what I find encouraging is the pace at which government is now transforming, leveraging technology is also accelerating. And I believe that that is going to continue to accelerate. So, uh, so I, I, I think the, the six areas that we talk about now, there might be six completely new ones in five years. And uh, there is always a role for a TTS to make that happen. Uh, because we can be the and the forefront of it, yeah. um, but you know, but at the heart of it, again, I'd go back to citizen experience. In the end of the game, it's not about the new technology; it's about what is the expectations and how you're really driving citizen experience. And if you can keep going back to that, 
that's what we need to be thinking about. You know, AR, VR is great. You know, we will all be transmitting with chips in our brain to each other and all that wonderful stuff. But really, what does it really mean, right? Mm -hmm. Can you yeah. get your tax return done faster, better? Can you get your farm loan better, cheaper? Can you go deal with uh, fraud issues in Social Security? Those are the real questions. And can you build trust in government as you do that? That's, a, that's at the heart of it. And that's what I want to keep going back to. Because that's we still have a long way to go as far as those are concerned. So you would offer a, a unique perspective on my last question, given your time in, in public service. But given that perspective, coming from private sector to your public service career right now, what advice would you give someone who's thinking about a career in public service? Yeah, I think it's a great. Um, I've I found the last year to be really uh, inspiring. It's been really good to work with teams that are so passionate and purpose-driven. And if you're new to government, what I would say is hook yourself up to something that you're passionate about. It's not about um, the technology. Although technology is important, it's not about the technologies, but are you are you, uh, do you feel the mission is good? You know, I feel the TTS mission is phenomenal. It's just, you know, we can make such a huge difference, and that's why I joined. I mean, that's the heart of it. So if you can attach yourself to a real mission and a real purpose, then, then you'll be golden, and uh, then public service will be a real um, creative, awe-inspiring time of your career. Great way to end this show. And also, I want to thank you for your time today, but Kunal and I would like to thank you for your dedicated service to the country. Great. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, let me put in one quick Please. plug. Yeah. Uh, we are uh, doing uh, some real innovative things in our, in our TTS uh, uh, world, and we were, we're going to be showcasing that as we speak. And uh, I won't get you the exact date and time, but you know, look look forward to uh, uh, to us, and uh, we have some showcases planned. How could they get in touch with you? How how could they find this? Is there a, a website, or is it uh, the TTS website is definitely there, and Great. Uh, perfect. We we can uh, we'll certainly be out there putting a lot of press uh, along the way. Wonderful. Thanks again. Thank you. This has been the Business of Government Hour, a conversation with Anil Cherian, Director of GSA's Technology Transformation Services and Deputy Commissioner of GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. My co-host from IBM has been Kunal Saravanchi. Be sure to join us next week for another informative, insightful, and in-depth conversation on the intersection of government, technology, and leadership. For the Business of Government Hour, I'm Michael Keegan. Thanks for joining us. This has been the Business of Government Hour. Be sure to visit us on the web at businessofgovernment.org. There you can learn more about our programs and get a transcript of today's conversation. Until next week, it's businessofgovernment.org. How does the California Department of General Services, DGS, serve state agencies? What is DGS doing to create new services and products? And what is the mission of the National Association of State Chief Administrators? 
Join host Michael Keegan as he explores how states are delivering the business of government with Dan Kim, director of the California Department of General Services. It is next week on the Business of Government Hour on Federal News Network. 